Good morning, Christ Community Church. So glad you're joining us for this Easter morning. I wanted to uh, share one sweet moment. I mentioned this a couple of uh, weeks ago. What, what's a sweet moment in the midst of all this uh, coronavirus chaos? And I had a sweet moment today. I walked in to the sanctuary, getting ready to preach to uh, Will and Ty and a camera. And somebody had come in overnight and uh, put in an a 8x11 sheet of paper on every chair of people in the directory. And so every chair has a, an 8x11 black and white photo of your faces. And so that was, that was such a sweet, sweet moment. Whoever, whoever did that, thank you. Thank you. That meant a lot to me. We're going to keep them there, obviously, for the rest of the time. And that will encourage me that, that you all are listening at home as I see your faces on the chair. So thank you. That was a great moment. A couple things to mention as we uh, get ready to move forward here. One, thank you for the great feedback that you're giving us. I mean, we're putting a lot of different content out, which is very unusual for us, but whether it's the daily office or the information that Sharon or David sends home or posts that happen on Instagram or Facebook, or this, the live stream on Thursday went well and if you didn't see that, you can go back on Facebook and find uh, that live stream event with a lot of information. So thank you. So see, keep sending us information and encouragement. Uh, that helps us feel like we're, we're staying connected. Uh, secondly, thank you for your continued giving. I was thinking uh, in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So right at the very end of the book, he's trying to, the writer's trying to say, hey, let's not forget to, to do good, to, to give sacrificially. That's, that's really what God is pleased with, obviously, because he, he gives sacrificially. That's what we're thinking about here on Easter. And many of you have given sacrificially. Thank you for that. And I just want to say I really, really appreciate that. Uh, there, you can give online. You can give uh, now text to give. And of course, you can mail in any gifts as well. Finally, as I said in the sermon, uh, the first Easter. First Easter actually was a relatively quiet event. You think about the birth of Christ and angels came. And what happened? They, they burst into the sky with a heavenly host and they were singing and now at this Easter, you just have two angels sitting, sitting, waiting for people to come. And first it's three women, and then it's two disciples. It's a much quieter event. And I think it's a holy moment. And in that holy moment, you need space. You need space that a big band and trumpets just don't allow you to have. You need time just to think. What's happened here? How has it changed the whole world? How has it changed my world? And that's my hope for you today. Hope you have a great Easter. I'm sorry we're not meeting together, and we hope to be together very soon. Love you all. Good morning. Thank you for worshiping online with us here at Christ Community. Let me be the first to say Happy Easter. It is our tradition, as it is with many other churches, to do a call and response on Easter Sunday of he is risen, and then the response of, He is risen indeed. So I'm going to do this. He is risen, and I trust that you're saying it at home. So let's get into some worship, but first let's start with a prayer. Almighty and ever-living God, 
in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Let no one caught in sin remain inside the light of inward shame, but fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and led. Trampling over death by death Come awake, come awake Come and rise up from the grave Christ is risen from the dead We are one with Him again Come awake, come awake Come and rise up from the grave Come away.
this morning with this song He Will Hold Me Fast When I fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me would prevail He will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold He must hold me fast He will
Happy Easter, Christ Community Church. I'm Elizabeth Cooper, and I'm on staff. This morning, I'm going to read the scripture from Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood there in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an an ideal tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloth cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. I want to ask a simple question this Easter morning, and that question is, whose word do you trust? Whose whose word do you trust? Whose voice do you follow, and you allow that voice to give shape to your life? It's an important question to, to answer, and especially in the midst of a crisis. Earlier this week, uh, most of you probably heard, like me, the U.S. Surgeon General make this statement in regards to the coronavirus, and I quote, we need to prepare for the hardest and saddest week of the virus. This week will be our Pearl Harbor. This week will be our 9-11. Those are strong words. And my question for us in the middle of this crisis is, whose words are you leaning into? Whose words do you listen to? Whose words uh, give more weight, have more weight in your life? Is Is it the Surgeon General? Is it the President? Is it the doctors that he has on stage, Fauci and Burks? Is it a commentator on Fox News or CNN? Is it a talk radio show host? Whose words do you trust? Perhaps even in a conversation about the virus, you've heard yourself say with all of your wisdom and epidemiology and dealing with pandemics, you've heard yourself say, well, you know what? I think. And then you've blessed the world with your words and your wisdom. I'm pretty sure I've done that several times In the last month. So whose word do you trust? Doctors, politicians, journalists, your own words, your own thoughts, your own ways. It's it's a critical current question, but also it's a a critical eternal question. Whose, Whose voice shapes your life? Whose words are you going to listen to in the moment of death? 
It's a question where we all answer in some ways. I recently watched a very sad but moving documentary on uh, the website The Atlantic by Herbert Finnegret, and I sent you this documentary in an email. Herbert taught philosophy for 40 years at the University of California, and he wrote a book on death. And he used his words to instruct people about death, and this is what he said, when you die, there is nothing. So it's irrational to have any fear of death. He taught his students this year after year. They had to read his book. And in 2020, the time this documentary was filmed, he was 97 years old and he realized that he was wrong. In the documentary, he says this, listen, it haunts me, the idea of dying soon. What's the point of it all? There must be something, there must be something I'm missing, he says. Here's a well-educated man who, who has his own words of wisdom. He's so sure of them. He's so sure of them, he put them into words. He wrote them down in a book. He, he taught it for years to students. And now Herbert, at 97, facing death himself, he, he doesn't trust his own words. He, he's going to throw out his own book, his own thoughts now, because he feels like he missed something. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder about his former students. I wonder if they think they've missed something too. See, whose who's words do you trust? It, it's the question, it's, it's a matter of life and death. Do you trust your own words? Do you trust your own ways? trust somebody else's words or do you trust God's word you trust what Jesus has to say this is a question I want us to briefly consider by examining the three accounts that all happen in the final week of Jesus's life and I thought about it in this way confusion control and question Confusion, control, and question. Confusion, we're going to look at the first event in the last week of Jesus' life, and that's the triumphal entry. That's a time of confusion. Then we're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we're going to talk about control, and then we're going to end up in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to try to answer a question. First of all, confusion. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 12, this is one of the places that talks about Jesus' triumphal entry. And it says this, The next day a large crowd that had come to the feast, to the Passover feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet Jesus and they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And then in verse 17 it says this, The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done these signs. So Jesus is at the pinnacle of his popularity in Luke in John chapter 12. He's just left a small town, Bethany, that's two miles outside of Jerusalem. It's where Jesus had raised his best friend from death to life. 
Lazarus. And as you might imagine, news of this thing uh, travels fast amongst these pilgrims who are, are flooding in, thousands of pilgrims flooding into Jerusalem. And this unique person, Jesus, his unique power is creating this, this buzz amongst the pilgrims. They're so sure that he's the king. They say, he's the king. He's going to be the king. He's the king in the line of David, this king that we've been waiting for for a thousand years. And you can, you can just put, it, put your finger on the pulse by looking at what they did in verse 13. As Jesus entered the city, they, they take palm branches and they're waving them before Jesus or they're placing them on the road before Jesus. And they're not picking up palm branches just because those happen to be nearby. No, they're picking up palm branches because palm branches at this time are a symbol. They're a symbol of victory. They're a symbol of revolution. And so they take these palm branches and it would be like if you won a great battle and you planted your flag on top of a hill. It would be declaring to everybody, we've won, we've taken over this territory. And so these pilgrims are coming, waving these palm branches saying, we're going to be victorious. We're going to beat the Romans. We're going to overthrow them. And then listen, they have a fight song, Hosanna, which means rescue or salvation. Our rescue, our salvation is going to come from the king whose name is Jesus. This man who walked on water, this man who gave sight to the blind, this man who raised the dead to life. People just knew. People just knew. They knew this was the king. This is the king who's going to save them from the Roman Empire. This is the king who's going to put them back in power. The crowd was so sure they knew exactly how God was going to work. They knew that salvation was going to come through strength and success. Except that's not what happened. Like Herbert Figueret, what they thought was wrong. They missed something. They missed something Jesus had already said back in Luke chapter 9. Jesus had told them directly. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to have to to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to come back to life. But they just somehow missed what Jesus' words were. They, They couldn't put those words in their mind. They couldn't allow those words to overcome their own words. And Jesus actually had just the opposite in mind when he came to Jerusalem this Palm Sunday. Salvation was going to come. But it wasn't going to come through strength and success. It was going to come through submission and sacrifice. It was going to come that way because what this crowd really needed was to be saved from themselves and not from the Roman Empire. The people knew. They just knew God was going to oper- how God was going to operate. They had seen the signs. They, they had been so sure They had a perfect picture of their life in their mind. And God went in a completely different direction. And I wonder if that's ever happened to you. You had a perfect picture of what was going to happen. It seemed like a good thing. It seemed like something God would like. It seemed like you'd seen the signs. Everything was lining up in this direction. And then somehow something happened... 
maybe like a pandemic. And all of those perfect pictures that you had in mind, they've been totally disrupted. And you were forced to make this abrupt adjustment to your life. And, and maybe you've had to make an abrupt adjustment to your way of thinking about God. Some of you are making that adjustment right now. And I would suggest that it's, it's pretty easier for, easy for a follower of Christ to adopt the, the world's ways even today. To pull in uh, success and strength and power is the way that God's going to work even today. When he clearly tells us to take, take up our cross and follow him. That, that the way up is down. He's still operating through submission and sacrifice to, to capture people's attention. And so I want to come back to my question. Who's, whose word do you trust? Whose voice do you listen to? Your voice, your words, your ways, someone else's words, or Jesus? Second scene I want us to turn to, John chapter 18 and chapter 19, the Garden of Gethsemane. Now here we are a few days later, a few days past the triumphal entry. These, these two chapters are... Some of the most important and densely packed chapters in the whole Bible. And we learn many things from these chapters. But one thing that we learn from these two chapters is everyone thinks they're right. And everyone thinks they're in control. Everyone in these chapters thinks they're right. And everyone is trying to exert their control because they think they're right. So they want to move everything in their direction. So they're trying to exert control. And yet Jesus, uniquely, he's the only one that's right. And he is in control. If you look with me in John chapter 18, just look at these three different characters that we'll have a few minutes to talk about here. Judas and the Roman soldiers. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, he came forward. He comes out of this garden to meet Judas and the Roman soldiers. And he asked this question, whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, was standing with the Roman soldiers. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. (laughs) I'd love to have seen that little moment. I'd love to have seen the expression on Judas' face. These strong Roman soldiers. I would have loved what they did when they were all on the ground, how they looked around, how they looked at Jesus. It's like Jesus lets out a little sliver of his divinity. And when Jesus lets out a little sliver of his, of his divinity, everybody falls to the ground. Because one day Jesus is going to come in power and every knee, every knee shall bow. And this is a little sliver. And it's a little sliver to tell Judas and tell the Roman soldiers that Jesus is in control here. Poor Peter, he thinks he knows what is right, of course. So he tries to take control. He's going to be a part of starting a revolution. So he pulls out a sword. He starts swinging wildly. He cuts off a man's ear. 
And Jesus shouts at him, put away your sword, Peter. And then Jesus heals the man's ear. Jesus is doing what's right. Jesus is in control. Not Peter. And then Pilate, chapter 19. The top Roman official, the the most hated man in Jerusalem on this day by the Jews, except for Jesus. Pilate thinks he's in control. Pilate even tells Jesus, hey Jesus, I'm in control. Imagine doing that. In chapter 19, verse 10. So Pilate says to Jesus, you will not speak to me. Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you hear that? Jesus, there, there's something I know you don't know. Imagine the, the arrogance of that statement from Pilate. He's trying to inform Jesus of something that Jesus doesn't know. And what is it? Well, I have authority. I have authority to set you free or authority to crucify you. See, Pilate, he thinks he's in control. He thinks he's right. I have the authority to set you free. I have the authority to crucify you. I mean, Pilate couldn't have been more wrong. Jesus has the power to set Pilate free. Pilate is the one who's on trial. Pilate is the one who's in chains. Pilate is the one who's imprisoned. And Jesus is saying, hey, Pilate, in order for you to be set free, for, in order for you to have any hope of being released from your sins, I've got to be crucified. Jesus responds to Pilate, you would have no authority unless I had given it to you from above. In other, in other words, Pilate I, I gave you that authority. All, all, everything that you're doing right now is completely underneath my control. You see, everyone thinks they're right. Everyone thinks they're in the control. Yet, from Peter to Pilate, all their words, all their ways are completely wrong. In the midst of this coronavirus crisis, in the midst of your own personal crisis. When your life's on the line. Just before you die. Whose words do you trust? Whose voice are you following? Are you, are you trusting your own words? Your own ways? Someone else's words, someone else's ways? Or are you trusting Jesus? Our third point here, now we've come to our text for this morning, Luke chapter 24, and a question. Luke 24 records uh, records the very first events of the resurrection. The, The first day of the week for a Jew is on Sunday. So this Sunday morning... This first Easter, these three women are coming, these women who had been following Jesus, these women who had seen Jesus die on the cross. They're coming to complete the burial process on this early, this Sunday morning. And upon their arrival, they encounter an empty tomb and two angels. 
In verse 4, it says they were perplexed. And I love the translation from this in the Greek. It means no way out. Isn't that great? They're perplexed. They, they look at the situation and they see the angels in the empty tomb, but they don't, say, they don't see any way out, any way out for Jesus. In their mind, in their ways, in their words, they don't see any way out. And they're perplexed, and the angels see their perplexity, that they can't imagine <laughs> any way out. And so they, they answer their perplexity with, He is risen. All of the weight of Christianity rests on this one statement. He has, he has risen. A lot of times in Easter, if we were all together, we would say, He has risen, and you would say, He has risen indeed. He has risen. Everything hangs on this particular moment. Jesus has done what no one else has accomplished. He died, He was buried, and on the third day, He rose again. There are billions of human footprints into a grave, and only one set of footprints coming out. Amen? The angels see the women's confusion, and so they want to point out two different things. I want you to notice them in verse 6 and 7. They, they say, here, I want you to have an experience. Look, the tomb is empty. He's, he's not here. I want you to physically see this. I want you to take note of this, that Jesus isn't in the tomb. And then they offer an explanation, not just an experience, but explanation. They say, to these women, do you remember Jesus' words? See this? Remember how he told you. Do, you. do you remember his words? See, we need all the weight, women, to rest on his words, not your words. Not, the, not that you can't see any way out, but Jesus has a way out. He told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. Women, you're perplexed. You see no way out because you're resting on your words, your ways, not on Jesus's. The experience of the empty tomb, you see, wasn't sufficient because experience alone can drive people in all kinds of different directions. So they accompany the experience with an explanation. And notice what the angels do. They're not teaching anything new. They're just going back to what Jesus has already said. They're going back and they're putting all the weight of the experience on God's word, which is what we should do. So then the women hurry back to the disciples and they tell the disciples exactly what they experienced and what the angel said about Jesus' words. And notice the disciples' reaction in verse 11. They think it's an idle tale. An idle tale. It, it's a medical term. It means delirious or hysterical. These women are delirious. They, they've gotten up too early. They're sad. They, they can't really get their minds right. What they're saying is nonsense. We can't believe these words except, notice in verse 12, Peter. Isn't it interesting? Peter... Peter rises to investigate. I wonder why. I wonder why Peter's a little slower to dismiss the women's words. 
Maybe it's because a few days before, Jesus had said some words to Peter. Peter, I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, but trust me, you're going to deny me three times. And what did Peter say? Jesus, I reject your words. I'm not going to do that. And now here's Peter listening to these women. Both say, here's what we experienced And here's what Jesus said. Peter, do you remember? You heard it too. And so Peter, this time, he's not quick to to disagree. He's quick to race down to the tomb. He he sees that that it's empty himself. And he walks away in verse 12 with this question. What happened? What what happened? It's It's the question we all have on Easter Sunday. What happened? A few verses later, thankfully for Peter and for us, Jesus gives the answer that Peter's looking for. Chapter 24, verse 36. While the disciples are huddled up in a closed room, Jesus enters the room. And he gives them, gives them this experience. Hey, you can touch my hands. You can touch my side. You can touch my hands and feet. I want you to know that I'm real. I'd like to sit down and have a meal with you. Can you give me something to eat? I want to make sure you know what you're experiencing is real. It's not some kind of delusion. I've really risen from the grave. And then I want you to please take notice at what happens because this is especially important for you and I. As they sat down for the meal, chapter 24, verse 44, then Jesus said to them, these are my, what does he say? Words. These are my words that I've already spoken to you. I spoke them while I was with you. In fact, everything that's written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, all of the Old Testament, all of the shadow, it's pointing to me right now. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Do you trust these words? He's trying to help the disciples say, guys, you you get a physical experience of the risen Savior. But you must trust my words. Don't, Don't trust your words. Don't trust your ways. Don't trust the words of a professor who's going to change his mind in 20 years. Don't trust the ways of the world, especially in a crisis. Trust that I'm in control. And you don't need to take control. Easter Sunday, 2020. It's it's probably one of the most unusual Easter Sundays you're ever going to experience in a lifetime. It's an Easter Sunday that everyone stayed at home. Instead of the, the church being at capacity, it's, it sits empty, like an empty tomb. And perhaps this Sunday is more like the first Easter Sunday. A s- small, relatively quiet event. 
Because something holy happened here. And these first few witnesses, they needed some space to think, to take a walk, to ask the question, what happened? This, this is completely outside of the way I can think. This is completely outside of the, the way I would operate. And I, I need to ask myself, can I trust his word. And they needed space in this holy moment to reflect. Because if the resurrection is true and we can trust his word, it's going to change and shape the rest of my life forever. And they needed the quiet that a large crown, crowd and a big band wouldn't afford them on this day. So my prayer for you this morning, this Easter day, is that you would be experiencing this very unique Easter Sunday as a quiet Easter Sunday. Certainly, I hope this isn't our Easter in 2021, but it is today. And maybe it's more like that first Easter than any other Easter, where you're going to have time to to take a walk and ask yourself, whose word do I trust? Whose voice gives shape to the rest of my life? And I want you to know you can trust Jesus. Let's pray. Father, before I use my words, I wanted to give space for your word. Your word that penetrates a heart, a soul, a mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. That as we stand quietly, And ask what happened. As we hear um, experts give advice in a time of crisis. That might be a matter of life and death. That we would take a moment on this Easter in 2020. And ask ourselves. Whose word do we trust? Whose ways are we going to follow? Whose voice is going to shape our lives? And I pray for anyone listening to this who's so sure, who's so sure about their way and their words that they wouldn't end up like this professor 20 years later saying, I can't even trust my own words now. That they would see today that's what is missing is Jesus who's come to submit and sacrifice because 
I'm the one who needs to be overthrown and replaced by him as the true king of my heart. Lord, we pray this in the great and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Go in peace. Let's continue our worship with our closing song. Serve
Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a blessed Easter.